Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Pastor Jim's desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application to our daily lives. You probably don't like waiting very much. If you don't, you're certainly not alone. Most of us don't like waiting. In fact, God often makes us wait, but expects us to be busy about His business while we wait. We know that may not sound very clear to you, but the Bible gives us many examples of this and will today in Daniel chapter 8. In this chapter, Daniel gets a vision far into the future. Although it will not affect him, he's saddened for his people, yet it leads him to action in his time. This is a great lesson for all of us. To see how this works, here's Pastor Jim in part one of his message, Busy Waiting. Well, I want to read Daniel chapter 8, verse 27, one more time. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Afterward, I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Well, for those of you who played sports at what I would call a fairly competitive level, you understand and you know that not everybody plays. You know, in Little League and Kids League, stuff like that, everybody's supposed to get sort of equal time. Or, you know, I remember when I was a kid, you were supposed to get a certain amount of innings in baseball and stuff like that. Uh, but that's, that's not the way it works the higher you go up. Typically, uh, there's what's known as the first string. They, they get to play. And there, there's the second string, and they pretty much get to watch. Or sometimes they feel like they're practice dummies for the first string to have somebody to play against there. Yet the second string, even though they don't really get to play so much, they are expected uh, to still go to practice. They're expected to still give it all they have. And they are uh, to be ready to get in the game if they're called upon. Now, I remember when I was, I guess I was a junior or senior in high school, and we were watching the freshman game And that was ninth graders. My school went nine through 12. And the home team uh, was down by 30 points with five minutes to go. And the coach still had the first string in. And there was a guy all the way at the end of the bench. And there was sort of this lull of a quiet during a timeout. And he just stands up and he yells at the coach and he goes, Coach, we're down 30 points. How much worse can we make it? That's the way I think a lot of times people think. They're thinking like, I could do this. I, could, I, could, I couldn't make it much worse than it, than it already is. Now, you could look at Daniel and, and you could say this Old Testament prophet, it's about 550 BC. He has been living uh, in Babylon for you know, some 50 years now or so. He's probably, in his, he's probably 70 or so, late 60s. And you say clearly he's a first-string man of God. But I'm here to tell you today that I find it hard to believe that the kingdom of God has a second string. I I don't really think that. I think that God wants all followers of Jesus to be in the game. Now, are there different roles? Yes. Are there different levels? Without a doubt. Are there different seasons of life? Of course there are. What's important is you're in the place where God has you to serve. Now, sometimes you'll move in different through different ministries. Other times you will, you know, to stay in one for a long time. It's fine. What matters is that you are in the place where God places you. That it would include, you know, raising a family. 
You're just some, some of you young moms, you're like, when do the diapers end? And, and you're like, well, listen, there'll be a day when you'll miss the diapers. You really will. I, trust me, you will. And so you just want to be faithful where God has you. See, all followers of Jesus are to be ready and waiting, busy with the king's business. And so the title of today's message is Busy Waiting. So we are to be busy waiting. And Daniel, I think, gives us a good example of how it's done. Now, in Daniel chapter 7 and 8, the prophet gets a vision of the future. In chapter 7, it's about his generation and generations to follow. In chapter 8, where we are right now, it's about two future generations. We're thinking hundreds of years in the future. So if it's in the future, what does that mean? That means that this vision entails some sort of waiting. Now, ultimately, for the people of God, it is waiting for the Messiah who comes to conquer sin and death and evil. Now, in Jesus' time, they wanted somebody to conquer the Roman Empire. They kind of didn't understand who he was and what his mission was. Here, we have an advantage over you know, Daniel and, and the early prophets and some of the people in Jesus' day. We are waiting for a Messiah who has already come and who will come again. So the first coming of Jesus, and this may be news to to some of you, you may not know this, that's totally fine. He came as a suffering servant. He came in humility. He came as a savior. He lived a perfect life. You don't have to. He did it in your place. He died on the cross, so you don't have to take the punishment for sins. And he defeated death. But the second coming will be very different. While he came as a humble savior the first time, a humble suffering servant the first time, the second coming, he's going to come as a conquering judge. While he was a poor guy in Nazareth, when he came the first time, the Bible says the second coming will be the glorious appearing, the wonderful appearing of the Lord. So until the second coming, followers of Jesus are called to busy waiting faithfulness to the coming king and his kingdom, a kingdom we often say, as theologians say, that we have already, but not yet. What does that mean? Do any of you have any relatives that are going to leave you like 10 or $20 million when they die? You're like, I wish they did. Well, let's just say that you did. And somebody said to you, hey, by the way, wrote you in my will, leaving you 20 million. You're like, hot diggity dog, right? You're thinking, good, hurry up and die. (laughs) So, So somebody leaves you the money, And you have it already, but not yet. So we have the kingdom of God as followers of Jesus. If you're not a follower of Jesus, thanks for coming. Thanks for watching. You're another place in the building. Great. If you're you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus, please say hi on your way out. I'll meet you at the door. And so, but, but we have the kingdom of God. We have the promises of God already, but we don't have them fully or they're not fully realized in our lives. Other kingdoms, other empires, world superpowers, as history has proven, will fade away. And in the end, there will only be one king and one kingdom. That's the way it's going to be in the end. And Daniel shows us some of what faithful waiting practically looks like after the second vision he has in Daniel chapter 8. First vision was in chapter 7. Second vision was in eight. Now you say, well, no, no, early in the book, there was dreams and visions. They weren't his. 
He was interpreting them for other people. So if you're taking notes, three things we want to look at today. Number one, busy waiting is watching our world. Watching our world. Daniel chapter 8, let's look at the very beginning of the verse. And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days. Let me go a little bit slower. And I, Daniel, fainted, or some versions say I was overcome, I was worn out, I was exhausted, another version says. Literally, it means I was done. I was finished. I had come to the end and were sick for days. I, I, I don't know. I, I sort of picture somebody, you know, maybe I'm going back a little bit, a few years back, but I picture somebody having the flu and they feel like they're nailed to the bed. You know the way you feel on Sunday morning, nailed to the bed, right? <laughs> and, and so you're like, oh, I'll watch Pastor Jim online. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. And so so, so you're, you're just, he's just knocked out. Now, within the body of Christ, within Christianity, the views regarding the times we are living in are all over the page. I've heard people say, well, I know the last election, it was basically the evangelicals against everybody else. And I'm like, you just do not understand evangelicalism. First off, I don't even know what it is anymore. Second off, it is now a fractured movement. And just like the rest of the country is fractured, so is the evangelical movement. So there's a lot of funky things going on within the movement. They supported different candidates. There's all different views. And so a lot of people have a lot of different things. And there's a lot of people who, are, who would say they're followers of Jesus who are very pessimistic right now. And actually, it's easy to see why. Uh, many of them, they would say, we believe that people need to be saved, be saved from their sins, to put their trust in Jesus Christ. Why? Because, and they are correct, at the second coming, it will be too late. It will be too late. Yet, interestingly enough, many of those same people seem to want to avoid the culture and they avoid unbelieving people. So, People are not going to come to faith in Jesus Christ unless somebody tells them. So I don't know if that's a proper way of, of looking at things. Others feel, and we could talk about this for days. This will give you something to talk about at lunchtime if you're bored. Uh, we're not going to talk about it much today. Others feel if we could Christianize the culture, the world would be a better place, and that should be our mission. Although Christianity is not a religion that forces itself upon people, and even if we, let's, we could Christianize the, the nation or, or the culture, we might have those values, but until somebody puts their trust in Jesus, they're not going to go to heaven anyway. So again, we can, we can talk about those things. You can talk about those things another time. Too much today. Others sort of merge the two. And you could, there's a lot of different ways of looking at this stuff. And so they would say this, the church needs to preach the true gospel what is that? The, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life and teach the practical implications of that, the commands we are given in the New Testament, how we are to live. And if we do that, so 
if we preach the gospel, engage the culture, bring the Christian message to people, that we can expect a lot of opposition. Does that sound familiar? Okay, we can expect a lot of opposition. Daniel is a bit different. Daniel's a bit different. Daniel, God gives Daniel a vision of the future and between the presence of God in in the vision and the vision, we see here he is overwhelmed. Now, he uses the word sick, which is a very interesting choice of words. See, for years, again, we said it already, for the past 50 years, Daniel has been a prisoner in war in, of, in Babylon because of the sin of the people of God. They, they, were, they were mixing paganism with Yahwehism. We call that syncretism. God was sending prophets to warn them. They didn't listen. God said, okay, come on, let's Nebuchadnezzar come in. And there's this like 20-year siege over over, over Babylon, maybe more like a 25-year siege, I mean, over Jerusalem. The Babylonians are taking hostages. Daniel's one of them. And Daniel knows that that's what happened to his generation. And these visions in chapter 8 are looking into the future. The people are no longer in Babylon. They're back in Jerusalem. And you know what's happening? The same thing is happening again. The people of God, have their faith has gone sideways. God has said, okay. You don't need me. I'm going to let the enemy come in if that's what you want. And the enemy came in. Various enemies have come in. And so he's giving Daniel the vision of this. Now, let's just go to what it is for being an American. Being an American, there's a lot of things that make us very independent. It's sort of in our nature. It's sort of in our, in our government and in our founding and stuff like that. One thing that has made us really, really uh, independent and isolated is social media. I, I know I'm going to seem to you young people like some really, you know, old fogey right now. Those of you who know me, you're like, well, he's really not that bad. So um, I really hope social media dies. I really do, because it's just, it's proven it's causing a lot of neurological difficulties for people. It's causing a lot of... Uh, isolation of people. And, and in order, even though you might be like, well, Pastor Jim, I can't stand people. I understand. Um, I, I like people, but I understand how some people can't stand people. But what is, it's, it's just isolating people to the point in time where you just, we were made to live in community and, and you're going to start to lack the social skills that you need really for, for life. And, and I think there's already signs of it that social media uh, might be might be cracking a little bit. Uh, combine that with working from home. Now you say like, well, what do you mean working from home? I, I have worked from home every morning since the 1990s. So I'm a I'm a work from home guy. Work from home, have lunch, drive into work in the afternoon. I, I've always that's always been my thing because I can't get any work done at the office. The same thing is true here. But all of these things are isolating us. And they're making us more self-centered as a nation than we already are. Daniel is exactly the opposite. Daniel sees the sin and pain of the people of God 
and he sees what's going on in the world and he doesn't go, well, those are people 100 years in the future, doesn't concern me. He doesn't say that at all. I mean, people are saying that now and they're just living in our generation. Well, like, I don't really, you know, there's some older people, like, I don't really care. It's not going to affect my time. Daniel's not like that at all. He sees what's happening. He saw what happened to his generation. Now he's looking hundreds of years in the future to future generations. And guess what? It makes him sick. In other words, the condition of the world pains him. And I think too often as followers of Jesus, we look at the unbelieving world. And again, if you're an unbelieving person, we're glad you're here. And, and I hope you don't all think we look that way. But a lot of people who are followers of Jesus look at an unbelieving world in a very different way than Daniel does. They look at an unbelieving world with disdain and disgust. And we wonder why. Some of them look at us the same way. True godliness looks far beyond itself. Can I just say that again? If you want to be truly godly, you've got to look far beyond yourself. You say, well, I'm going to get hurt. You are. You say, I'm, I'm going to get, you know, people are going to reject me. That's true. Wait a minute, that sounds like Jesus. You're right. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Years later, in between Daniel and Jesus, Nehemiah had a job in the palace of the Persian Empire. And in chapter 8, we, the vision is, the first vision is, is that the Medes and the Persians are going to take over the Babylonian Empire in about a dozen years. Well, Nehemiah had a job in the palace and so that's a nice job, right? And he heard about what was going on in Jerusalem. How the land was still in desolation from the Babylonians. The horrible conditions that the people that were there were living under. And, the, and he goes before the king and he gets that news and he goes before the king. And the king says to him, the Persian king says to him, hey man, what's the deal, man? Why you look so sad? Because he had never been sad before the king before. In fact, if you appeared before the king sad, you could be killed. You weren't allowed to do that. You always had to make the, everything was going really well all the time. Yeah, even if, even if you know, things were going horrible. In other words, you had to be like a prosperity preacher. Like everything is going great. I knew a guy who worked in a store one time and, and the owner was one of those prosperity guys. And so the owner would call in around midday. He was like never in the office. And he'd go, how's business today? And the, and the guy would go, nobody's walked in the shop yet today. And he goes, don't tell me that. Tell me there's a line outside the door. Tell me we need to hire more help. Tell me we're out of inventory. Tell me business is great. Because if, I, if you say it, it will actually happen. Well, they went out of business in three months. But, <laughs> but, but. Nehemiah saw beyond himself. And in Nehemiah 2.3 says this. And, and the idea is, if you read the context, and I, and I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my father's tombs lies waste and its gates are burned with fire? 
You see, there he sat in his cushy job in the palace, and he was devastated for other people. He was devastated for the glory of God. True godliness looks beyond itself. Let's fast forward 580 years from Daniel to the classic quote about Jesus, Matthew 9, 36. But when he had saw the multitudes or the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them. Now, these are religious people. These are religious people. Because they were weary and scattered. One version says they were worn out. I want to see if you're as honest as the last service. How many of you are worn out? Yeah. Yeah, You're just worn out. And a lot of it is you're like, I don't know why I'm worn out. I don't know why I'm worn out. They were weary and scattered, worn out like sheep having no shepherd. You see... Jesus' heart ached for a lost and hurting world. He didn't look out over the people and go, ah, these people. Ah, these people. No, his heart ached for worn out people. And, And we should have that heart too. You know, maybe, just maybe, if you got a few extra minutes this afternoon or this week or next weekend. Why don't you take a ride up to the mall? Leave your wallet in the car. Don't go in to buy anything. And just look at the people. Those of you who are older will find yourself singing, all the lonely people, where do they all come from? But you will see people that are so weary, that are so worn out. And Jesus wants to be their Lord and Savior. He wants wants followers of Jesus. He wants to be their shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. People who are are weary, people who who are scattered, people who worn out. He wants to be their shepherd too. You see, Daniel saw the world the way Jesus did. Nehemiah saw the world the way Jesus did. It didn't disgust Daniel. What did it do? It moved him. It moved him to the point of of, of being ill because Daniel had God's heart. He saw the pain and suffering in the world. He saw the eternal fate of people, and it made his heart sick. I mean, let's be honest. Isn't it easy for us to to read our Bible, check the news, and be unmoved by the events of the world? Or you're flicking the channels on your TV, and then you see the pictures of all the poor people, and then you flick to, oh, the football game. You've already forgotten what you just saw. Isn't it easy for us to be unmoved by the eternal fate of people? 
I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be unloving. But I, I will confront you with something that God has confronted me on many times. That if you don't care that much or at all about the eternal fate of people, your faith is not near as strong as you think it is. Your faith is not near as deep as you think it is. You could say like Jesus was looking over that crowd and it was moved with compassion that Daniel was wrecked because of his care and compassion for people who were sheep without a shepherd. And sometimes I, I get the attitude sometimes from people like, well, they're kind of getting what they deserve. You know, these, these, these druggy people, these drinking people, these, these worldly people. Loved ones, read your Bible more carefully. That was Jesus' target audience. Take what you've just heard from Pastor Jim Kevney on Changed by Love and share it with a friend or neighbor. Encouraging words are priceless in today's world. Pastor Jim relies on your prayer and support each day to reach thousands of people just like you. You can also find other ways to team with Changed by Love on our website at changedbyloveradio.org or you can call 862-217-9686. We are called by His name to change the world and we are stronger together than we could ever be apart. You and Changed by Love with Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Morris County, New Jersey. Thank you for your support and the time you spend with Changed by Love.